Hey guys, this is Roxy Brown, and you are listening to the Blonde Ambition Podcast. This is episode number seven, I think, seven, and uh, today I'm going to talk about gaps in your employment record. I think I sort of unknowingly struck a nerve, both with people who agree with me and with people who disagree, so I think it's good to continue the conversation. I made a post on LinkedIn to give you the backstory. I made a post on LinkedIn about the fact that I have a two-year gap in my you know, business working history. And the two-year gap was for no other reason other than that I felt like I wanted a break. And I personally have a feeling that it's really unfair the way most people who have gaps in employment are judged based on the fact that someone just looks at a piece of paper and says, oh, they're not going to be a great candidate because X, Y, Z. So to give you the backstory on me and how I came about doing this, I got my degree in molecular and cellular biology. I was an incredibly big nerd. I'm still a nerd. I got out of that. I finished my degree. I worked at a job for literally 88 or 89 days. I was just shy of the 90-day probation period where I would have been like a full-time employee because I hated it. I was working in a lab. I've told this story before. I was working in a lab. It just wasn't for me. It was the realization that something that I loved, which was science, because I, I, I still love science, but something that I loved was not what I was meant to do day to day. And it was really so it was crushing for me. But I made a pretty quick recovery and I got into the oil and gas business, which is something that I was just not necessarily supposed to do, not necessarily at that point qualified to do. But someone gave me a chance and I got into the oil and gas business. And I ended up spending um, almost right at 15 years in the oil and gas business. And if any of you are in this business, you know what I'm about to say, but the oil and gas business is really a difficult one to be in. To start off with, there are so many ups and downs. You know, as the economy goes up and down, oil and gas goes up and down. There are it's it's a roller coaster ride and it's incredibly emotional. It's it's really emotional, especially when you're first starting out and people are loving you and you're doing good work and they're calling you all day long and they're just, Can we can you do this? Can you do that? And they're buddies, your your best friends, oh Roxy, you're so great, you do such great work, I appreciate you. And then the market dips a little bit and everybody gets really paranoid at oil and gas. I don't know why that is. Even more so, I think, than the stock market. People in oil and gas get incredibly paranoid when the market dips or when they see anything that may be coming coming down and that may affect prices. And they just panic and they clam up. And so that person that was your best friend yesterday that was just, you do a great job, we love you, we're keeping you busy... They won't even take your calls today. It's not it's not that they it's not that they answer your phone call and say, "Yeah, you know, things are really slowing down, but hopefully they'll pick up soon and we'll be calling you again." No. They they literally just excommunicate you. They won't answer your calls. If they don't need you, you're not they don't they don't even deem you worthy of picking up the phone. And this was not a personal thing. This is just how that industry works. All of a sudden, when oil and gas ticks back up again, those same people that wouldn't even answer your phone call are blowing you up. Middle of the night, you know, know, 6 p.m. And they're like, Roxy, we need this. We need this. You're our best friend. Please start tomorrow. And so the oil and gas is an incredibly emotional business. And you have to really learn how to have thick skin and be really emotionally mature and tough 
when you are in oil and gas. And then when you combine that with the fact that I used to go in and I would actually work on mergers and acquisitions and I would negotiate deals. And part of the thing that I would do is I would, you know, I would negotiate the deal and then there would be a window of time So they would sign a contract and they say, yep, these are all the details. We've negotiated it. This is what we're going to pay. But there's going to be a three-month look-back period or a six-month look-back period. And in that period of time, I, I would literally go to the seller's office and I would dig through their files and I would try to come up, you know, for a month or two or three, I would try to come up with the, yes, these, you know, these guys have what they say they have. Their books look in order because when you buy something, you inherit their records. You know, so you'd like to think that someone has good records. If, if something is going to be your responsibility in the future and if you're buying it, you'd, you'd like to have the backstory to it and files in order. So I would literally have to travel and I would go all across the U.S. to different corporate offices digging through their files. They were all very incredibly pleasant to me. But the thing is, is that you're already sort of on an emotional roller coaster because you're worried about, well, you know, if if one dumb thing happens in Washington tomorrow, everybody could just pull back. And then the flip side of that is you're living in hotel rooms, you know, which sounds really great, but it's not. If any of you travel for a living, you get it. You're away from your family. For years and years, I left on a Monday morning and came back on a Friday afternoon every single week. And I only had the weekends, you know, to spend with my family. And that gets lonely and and that takes an emotional toll on you. And so after almost 15 years, I really, I flat out, guys, I just needed a break. I needed to just reconvene. I knew I didn't want to do oil anymore, but I wasn't 100% posit- 100% positive of what I wanted to do. I for sure had doubts like any of the rest of you, like what actually am I good at? I knew I was good at oil, but I didn't know if I was going to be good at anything else, you know, and as it turns out, spoiler alert, business is business and I'm great at what I do now. Also, you know, a lot of those a lot of those skills translate. But the point of it is I just wanted a break and so I took it. I literally sat in bed and I ate Cheetos and I watched Judge Judy and Netflix and terrible daytime TV and The Price is Right. Like there wasn't a real reason other than I just felt like it was great for my mental health. After all those years of being on an emotional roller coaster and being away from family and friends, guys, I just took time, you know, and it was literally, I'm not saying it's for everyone. And I understand that everyone is not maybe in that position that they can take that time off. But if you can, and if you feel like you want to do it, you should absolutely do it. I have never felt so comfortable being uncomfortable as I do now. And that's because I took a break. So I'm constantly pushing my businesses. I'm constantly pushing my boundaries. I'm constantly doing something new and I'm excited to do it. And I'm I, I'm comfortable being uncomfortable. And that was only something that happened after I really, you know, got my emotional crap together, I guess, for lack of a better way to put it. But the thing is, is that there are so many people that have, I, th- I think wanting to take a break is a really valid reason. Like we're human beings, we're not robots. If you want to take a break and you can take a break and you need to take a break, then you should. Some people don't deem that as a valid reason. They think that you're lazy, that you, you know, you, you're not a good employee. And then there are some reasons that, you know, you're taken off because you're sick. You're taken off to raise your family. You're taken off to help your ailing mother or your aunt. You're taking off to go on a trip to Europe and backpack because you just want to see the world like and, and gain experience and knowledge. 
But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to address this in two ways. So now I'm talking to people who are employees or, or people who want to take a break. If you need to take a break, paper be damned, you should do it. This is your life. You get one shot. It doesn't matter if you stay at the same company for 30 years and never miss a day or, or you take a break and do what it is you need to do for your own spirit and your own soul. Someone's going to judge you for it. And at the end of the day, you're the one who has to look in the mirror and you're the one who has to be at home with yourself in the evenings and on the weekends. And you're the one who's responsible to your family and to your friends to give them the best version of you that you can give them. Like it really is up to us to take care of ourselves and and we all each have a responsibility to do that. So if you're a super stressed out mom or dad, taking a little time for yourself, be it a, a break from work or or be it a day that you, you take for yourself, it's your responsibility to give your children the best of you that you can. Likewise, I think I don't have children, but it's my responsibility to give my husband and my friends and myself the best version of me that I can. So if you're thinking about taking a break, but you're worried you're going to be judged for it, I'm telling you, you're going to be judged for something regardless anyhow. And what really doesn't matter at the end of the day, if you're living life on your terms and you're happy with yourself, it's incredibly helpful to be well-rounded and even taking a trip to Europe, you guys, what, what if you just go travel? The things that you see, the culture that you pick up, you guys, business is international these days. There is no such thing as I own a, a, a business in the U.S. and I only deal with people from the U.S. There's no such thing as that anymore. With travel, with airplanes, with the internet, even if you have a home base of operations within one country, you deal with people on an international level. And it's incredibly valuable for you to get out there and see how other cultures and other countries, how they look at things. You know, there are there are some huge deals that have been sabotaged unknowingly or unknowingly ruined by the fact that people didn't understand that other cultures do things differently. So it's incredibly, it's life experience, you guys. Aside from the fact that it fills your soul and your spirit with happiness, sometimes to just get out there and just have no plan and just go for it. But aside from that, there's something incredibly valuable about being a well-rounded person and building that character that understands that however you live, and however your company culture is, not everyone's like that. And companies need for their people to have that. We need for our people to know that, you know, to have a bigger picture in mind, to, to maybe be a little understanding that if someone is coming and doing business with you and they're of a different culture, then it might be nice to kind of do just a little bit of research on it to make sure that you don't accidentally be offensive and not mean to, you know, or or maybe even something as simple as, as you, if you know more about their culture, you might actually be able to get them just a nice small $5 gift or pastry or something that reminds them of home that's really comforting to them. And then it really, it really shows that you're trying to connect with them. So there's so many reasons why, even if it's just that you want to take a break to go travel, if you want to take a break to sit at home, take a break to sit at home. You know, take a break to take care of your parents. Do whatever it is that you need to do. And I'm also going to tell you this. This is, again, to people who are thinking of needing to take a break or people who are in the workforce. There is no shame and do not ever let anyone shame you for trying some different jobs before you find the right one. You have, you know, 80, 90 years on this planet if you are lucky. Your ideal situation, ideal job is going to be finding a skill that you're good at, 
combined with a company culture that you enjoy and that makes you feel welcomed and accepted. And if you can find find out what it is that you're really good at and find a company that will match your integrity, if you can combine those two, you will have an amazing work experience. And if you can't, you're probably going to be unhappy. I mean, that's, the, that's just the truth of it. You know, if you're stuck in a company culture that you dislike, there's no reason valid, okay, there's no valid reason why you shouldn't look for something else. If you're not exactly sure what it is you want to do yet, there's no valid reason why you shouldn't do something for a little while and then do something else. Figure out what it is and be honest with people. You know, I know you're going to get judged by some people, but who really, who really cares? What real, they're not going to be there with you throughout your life. You know what I mean? That's that's one situation. And be strong enough to say, to come in and say, you know, I'm really, it took me a little bit to figure out what it was that I wanted to do. I now know that I want to do this, you know, but I'm looking for the right company. Whatever it is, just be honest about your situation and don't feel like you're obligated to spend some certain amount of time at each place because that's just not true. So let's jump into, I got, <laughs> I got some really interesting mail from recruiters and HR and talent managers, and they're not loving me right now. The post that I wrote apparently has gone a little bit viral, and they're not excited about the fact that I came out and said, I'm still successful and I'm still smart, and I took a two-year break. So I'm getting a lot of blowback from that, and so I want to address that. Um, so... Here's what I'm going to tell you as a recruiter, as an HR person, as an employer. I'm here to tell you that I'm an employer too, so I 100% understand that we do put money into hiring new employees and new contractors. We put money into running ads. We put money into developing these people. We might send them to some sort of a certification certificate program. We might get them a, you know, a security license. And I understand that, that that position in particular being filled by a great person who wants to be there is literally money in your pocket or not. And I understand that you lose money when you bring someone in and it doesn't work out and a month later or two months later, they're gone. I get it. But here's what I'm also going to tell you. I literally sat through an entire conference with some people who were talking about threat assessments. And it's literally trying to find the psychological impact of the mind of someone who is a mass murderer. And they have studied thousands upon thousands of cases. These people are CIA and FBI, and they have everything at their disposal. They have studied tens of thousands of cases, trying to find a link to who, if, if something happens, who do, who's most likely to have done this? It's his profile. It's a psychological profile. And the very first bullet point at the very top of that is that we cannot predict human behavior. Let me say that again. We cannot predict human behavior. So for any of you who are just looking as, an, as a hiring manager, for any of you who are just looking at a piece of paper and trying to say, oh, this person has left their last three jobs in six months. Sorry, they're not working for me. You're missing out. And here's why. You cannot look at a sheet of paper and tell what is going on in someone's mind. And if they're honest with you, you need to be accepting of that. If they tell you, look, I've just been looking for the right fit. 
You know, I had to figure out what it was that I wanted to do. I know that this, I know computer programming is really what I'm great at and really what I want to do. But I've left these last three jobs and I've spent six months there because they weren't the right company culture for me. And I think your position, I think this might be. And is there really anything wrong with that? No. What if your company is a great fit for someone who's just been looking for what it is that you offer? What if, what if... They're just looking for a place that they feel like really utilizes their skills. And what if that's you? So they've left their, they've left their last three jobs, you know, in six months. But that's not a predictor of future behavior. Because you guys, as employers, as companies, we have to start taking more responsibility for the fact that a large portion of whether or not someone is happy at their office and at their work has to do with us and has to do with the company culture and morale that we provide inside of our inside of our buildings. And so it's really not fair to put all of this on someone, on, a, on an employee. It's not fair because we have to take some responsibility for that. I have been in these offices You guys, I have been there and the company culture is miserable and I would not blame anyone for leaving, but they're scared to leave because they're scared you're not going to understand that or that you're not going to feel like that's valid come time for them to get another job. And that's not fair. Company culture and how someone else does things is has so much to do, you guys, even more so than money. Statistics show us that people will leave a job quickly, more quickly If management is bad and if the company culture is bad, then pay. Their daily activities and their daily happiness at work means more to them than money. So we have to start taking a little more responsibility as to the company culture that we're putting out. And it's very, very feasible that someone goes through three, four, five situations before they find some place that they feel like they're at home. But here's the thing, when they are at home, when they do feel at home, they're loyal to you. They're loyal to the person that gave them a chance after they had a two-year gap. You know, they took off because they had to take care of their mom. And you're giving them a chance to feel useful, to feel relevant, to feel like their company, this company needs you and, and appreciates what it is you do. They're loyal to you if you'll give them that opportunity. I'm also going to say this. What if they only stay for six months? What if history does show a pattern and what if they've left their last three jobs after six months and what if they come to you and you give them a job and they stay for six months and leave what if you guys people are not cattle we cannot you cannot be so arrogant as to think that if you have some great employee that you felt good about and they move on for whatever reason they found a different gig that they thought was better for them their family wanted to move across country or they just wanted to sit and eat cheetos for 6 months whatever it is you cannot you cannot be arrogant enough to think oh i actually gave them a chance and they left after 6 months that's arrogant You have to understand that what if they only stayed six months, but what if you got six months worth of amazing product and client service out of them? And what if they were a joy to work with for six months? What if they, what if they gave you their best for six months and left? How bad is that? I know because I'm an employer, I know you want people to stay for 20 years and I know you want, you know, you want to find the right person and you don't want to have to deal with hiring another person. But the reality of life now 
This is not the 1950s. The reality of life now is that people move and people change and, and people's lives change. And all you all you can do is be the best employer to them that you can be. Give them a space where they feel safe, where they feel like they can be creative, where they can be happy with their coworkers. And if they end up staying for 20 years, that's great. And if they end up staying for six months or for a year, then hopefully you learn something from them. Hopefully they learn something from you and you go hire someone else. That's part of doing business in 2018. So if you're not prepared for that, then you got to rethink how it is you're doing things. If you think that you're going to have someone sign on and and you're going to hire them and they're going to stay forever, you're probably going to get your feelings hurt because it's just not how life works anymore. We as employers have to be more responsive and we as HR people, we have to be better about understanding that if someone took off to help raise their family, if they had young kids and and they took off for five years up until their child was in kindergarten because it was that important to them that their children have, have that parent at home, if their family means that much to them that they gave up five years of their career in order to do that, then how important do you think it's going to be for them to have a great job that they're going to provide for their kids with? Do you understand what I'm saying? If family is that important to them that they would just drop everything, then that means that they're serious about making sure that they're going to take care of their family too. You know, that, that, that's integrity and that's character. And those are, those are qualities that any employer should be happy to have in an employee. But the, the issue comes in, there's only two or three real issues with not hiring someone who has gaps in their resumes. First of all, there are some recruiters, not all, but there are some people in hiring positions that just have an ego trip and just want to be right. And there's nothing you can do about that. There's a There are some people who are in hiring who think that they can better than the CIA, apparently, predict your forward-moving behavior from your past behavior based on a piece of paper. And if you think you can predict someone's forward-moving behavior, then I think the CIA and the FBI are going to want you to go ahead and volunteer for your country because they're going to need your help with it because they flat out said that they cannot predict someone's human behavior. So you think you can predict, you're, you're really incorrect. You really, it's, you guys, people change too. People change. What if you had a life-changing experience that made you realize that you needed to do something different? What if that? You can't predict someone's future behavior just off of a piece of paper. It's not going to happen. And then there's always the situation where HR people or hiring managers, you guys feel like you're going to have some repercussions if you don't bring in exactly the right person. Maybe your employer, and this is something that we have to think about, maybe your employer, if you're, if you're a person hiring, maybe you have some unrealistic expectations that are set for you by your employer, sort of higher up the food chain, that Shelly, you've brought in people for the last, you know, that haven't stayed for the last three years, you're out. And that's a real possibility that, that, that people who are in management positions as far as hiring are getting pressure from the top. And that's where we, as, as company leaders, we really have to 
set expectations for everyone, for our, for our hiring staff and for our new employees. And it's like this. Nothing means we're in this for the long haul as a company, right? We're going to be here 20 years from now, but I understand that the entire team is not going to be here 20 years from now. Our goal right now is to best serve our clients with people. And if they leave after a year, they leave after a year. That's got to be your goal if you're an employer. If you're a recruiter or a manager, a hiring manager, your goal has got to be to do your best to bring people in that are talented, that are energetic, that are joyful to be around, and that are not robots, that have some sort of forward thinking and creativity, and you can't tell that off of a piece of paper, and a gap in a resume does not indicate one way or another whether that's going to be the case for you whether that person's gonna be qualified and be a joy to work around and add to your office and add to your clients. Gap or no gap, it doesn't matter. You've really got to dig into the person and look past that piece of paper in order to tell that. And I think as employee uh, employees, we need to start being a little more unapologetic about the fact that we live our lives. You've got to understand that when you come into an, an, an interview and you've got a gap on your resume, that's fine if you want to explain it. If you want to just say, I took a break, that's fine too. But the thing is, you have to make people understand that you're valuable. That the resume, that the gap, I took a two-year gap, it doesn't mean I'm not a great leader. It doesn't mean that I'm not great at what I do. I'm still good at what I do. You know, but you've got to focus on that. You can't focus on the gap in your resume. You can't feel down about it. You can't hang your head about it. You can't feel guilty about it. You've got to come in there saying, look, I had a two-year gap. I took care of my mother while she was ill. She's passed. I've mourned. I feel like I want to get back out there now and kind of resume my career. And I think that having taken that break and learned those those lessons and had those experiences has made me a better employee. And I'm, I'm you know, I've learned these things. XYZ that I think really make me a better person, a more well-rounded person and a better employee. And you got to not be, if you're feeling guilty and you're feeling down on yourself about that, surely then you're not going to impart the confidence that that someone who is hiring you is going to look for. You know, so you're going to get to, you may get turned down. There, There are a lot of people who think old school ways still that you're supposed to get a job and stay there for 30 years. So if you're coming in here looking for a job, something must be up. You you just must automatically suck. You must be hard to get along with, whatever. Those people are only going to change their minds when they see actual living proof of the fact that that it can be done, you know, that I can take a two-year gap and it'd be fine. I've come back stronger. I've come back better. I'm more determined. But you've, you've got... You've got to stop beating yourself up about living your life a little bit. And you've really got to look for an employer in a place, no matter what industry you're in, you've got to look for an employer who gets that and who appreciates the fact that you've lived some life. So I hope this, I hope this was well-rounded. I try to be well-rounded about this, but I really hope that this encourages some of you to take a break if you need to, or come back from a break if you want to. You know, this, in 2018, you guys, you need to be 
concerned, just as concerned about your physical health and your exercising and your eating habits and getting enough sleep, but you also have to be concerned and you have to safeguard your spirit and your soul and your energy. So I hope you guys feel more comfortable with doing whatever it is that's right for you. And hopefully we can all change some perceptions about what it is to have a gap on your resume. I appreciate you listening. Come back on LinkedIn and continue the conversation of Roxy Brown on LinkedIn. And I hope to see you guys soon.